Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. by percentage of data that gets results. Uh, Not so much through gifts or supernatural signs and wonders, but absolutely just taking the Word of God, you know, which can be taught, learned, and duplicated uh, versus, you know, operating the gifts or someone having a gift. You know, you can't always duplicate something like that. But anyway, so just remember, so this is at his church. Uh, that he taught here not too long ago, and uh, there's people from all over the world in the audience, and there's people from all, uh, other countries there. Uh, and his, uh, if he was there, what he does, I think I've told you, but just remind you, um, we could do it real quick if you want to do it, but the way he does is he does six hours a day. So he does nine to 12, and takes a two hour break for lunch, and come back from two to five. The bad thing about that is it, that's, it's almost mental overload. And uh, you're sitting in a room like sardines, and you're trying to make notes like this, and it's, it's a lot to take in. And uh, so this is the best way of doing it, I think. And uh, it fits just fine for Wednesday night service. So it's real instructional. The first part of the – I don't if you – I hope you was able to, but it's supposed to read the first 17 pages. Uh, uh, and uh, But if not, just catch up when you can. But he'll start there, and um, – we're going to get started. I think the first one is, what, 47 minutes or something, something like that. So we're going to go ahead and get started so we'll be on time. So y'all ready? Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Yes, All right. Well, we're going to jump right in the middle of this and get it going. So we welcome you here to the headquarters of John G. Lake Ministries, and which is also Dominion Life International Apostolic Church. Uh, I am the overseer of John G. Lake Ministries and the pastor of the local church here. Uh, my name is Cray Blake. If, you've, uh, if you don't know who I am, I don't know how you got here. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so, well, we're glad you came. And we're going to start first off with, uh, we're going to open with prayer. So, Father, we just thank you. We bless you. Your name is holy. We keep it holy. And, Father, we recognize all your blessings that you give us. And we thank you for it, for all the work that you're doing in our lives and, and through our lives. So, Father, today we just give ourselves into these meetings so that you can pour yourself in to us and out through us to others. So, Father, we bless you. We thank you. Our minds, we, we set our minds to be open to revelation and understanding and that we may receive enlightenment in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if you have a manual, <clears throat> we will be working from a manual, uh, which is manual number two. Manual number one, of course, is your Bible. And that's what we're going to be taking you to. But uh, we'll be working out of manual two, and referring back to Manual 1, all right? Uh, Everything we say has to be able to be seen in the Word of God in context, and so we will uh, maintain that all the way through. Uh, I understand that you've already been informed about questions and all that. We will take those questions, and uh, but first we would like for you to make sure that you read through the uh, Chapter 19 in your manuals, you've already been told, and about the question and answer section in the back. Because many of the normal questions that we get, the average questions, are in there. And so you might not have to ask your question. So if you want to read that first, that'd be good. But we will start taking these questions. Uh, we have the index cards for you to fill out. So we've got things for you to work with. And then we will go through the questions. So we can go ahead and start. Uh, did you, you've already filled out, signed that paperwork and all that kind of stuff and turned it in? Okay. You say, why do you do that? Well, because it cost me $15,000 to get that done. <laughs> you say, well, how did it do that? Well, <clears throat> because a lawyer said that we should have those in the manual for people to understand uh, what this is, and uh, it would preclude um, lawsuits and that kind of stuff if people don't get it. So, you know, <clears throat> now uh, it was one of those lawyers that at the end of the commercial, they talk real fast. You can't understand anything they say, but it's supposed to be legal, so there you go. So, uh, if, you, if you can, fill that out and then uh, just sign it and turn that in, and we will take those up 
if you haven't already done that, we will take those up at the end of this session. So, I believe you should be on page 14 is where we will start. Page 14. <clears throat> on page 14, it actually talks about, let's see if I got it all. Yep, looks like we're good there. Good, good. Okay. Trying to make sure and check everything. Yeah, good. All right, page 14. Uh, starts out by saying that there are, are only two reasons for failure in ministering healing to the sick. The first one is Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. And that is where Jesus said, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? Talking about when the, the man brought his son to the disciples and they could not get the boy free. Verse 20, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. So you'll notice that the only reason, the only experience we have in the Bible uh, showing why someone failed to get results, Jesus accredited it to unbelief. So you have unbelief, that'd be the number one reason. And then number two is point B there, the traditions of men. In Mark chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus said, Making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which you have delivered, and many such things like things do ye. So there's only really two reasons <clears throat> that you'll see for failure. One is unbelief, which should not be part of a believer's life. Hence, because you're not unbelievers, you are believers, so you shouldn't have unbelief. So, and number two is the traditions of men. Uh, over the history of the church, the last 2,000 years, and even some before that, uh, the, mostly the church has actually uh, built up and created these traditions that make the Word of God none effect. They end up building these things up and they make that into something more uh, solid, more important than what the Word of God says. Now, I will tell you from the very beginning, uh, essentially, uh, we'll get into some of the history of this as we go along, but um, a lot of what you'll be learning this week is very simply, everybody has almost the same questions. I had the same questions and I'll tell you how we came about that. But... Um, the main thing about it is that the questions that everybody has, uh, I was taught the same, you know, the healing doctrine uh, that most everybody else has received at some point, and I had questions. And the problem was the people I was learning from didn't like it when I asked the questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so I kept asking the questions and finally found people that actually had answers. Of course, they were all dead by then, and so I could only go back into some of their uh, writings and some of their teachings. But uh, <clears throat> what I found was that about 99.9% .9 of what the church has taught about healing was wrong. And I'd usually tell everybody that if you want the quick lesson, it's real simple. If you want to be accurate in ministering healing to the sick, take everything you've learned in church and do the opposite. <laughs> if you do that, you'll be closer to what the Bible actually says. So it's, uh, it's sad, but it is the truth. So we spent the last, uh, well, actually, we were looking at uh, just the other night, uh, Dr. Lake spent about 45 years in healing ministry. Uh, I will have, I think this is year 38 for me of studying divine healing. Uh, between the two of us, we have almost 85 years uh, of, of training there. Not to mention the fact, uh, the information from, that I've gleaned from other people. Uh, Dr. Lester Summerall was my, my mentor, my pastor. Uh, so we've, we trained under him also. Several others uh, through the years that we will be mentioning and so we've learned a lot of things, and a lot of the stuff that we learned in the beginning, uh, we found out that there were pieces missing. And it's not so much that we found a whole new thing, it was that we went in and found what the Bible said and filled in the missing parts. And really, that's all we do. And so for the next three days, we will be going through all the tra traditions that man has built up, uh, especially concerning healing and the power of God, and we will be destroying those traditions. Uh, because they are man's traditions, and we will be replacing them with the Word of God, which is always better. When you have the Word of God, when you take away all the traditions, and all you have the Word of God left, the Word of God works. Yeah. Amen? So we're going to be doing that this week. Now, uh, there are a couple of other things, and hopefully you've read now. You were supposed to read up to page 17, actually before we started. I do want to uh, go back. On, I, I believe it's on page 6 of your manual. It just tells a little bit about the ministry. Uh, we are the whole oldest healing ministry in existence at this time. We have more documented healings than any ministry in history. 
Uh, <clears throat> therefore, we are technically the oldest, most experienced, most successful healing ministry in existence today. Uh, the main thing, too, is that, and, and we'll give you, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead and jumping into this, but uh, over the next three days, we will give you kind of the back and forth of what happened, how it progressed, what, uh, how we learned these things. And I will tell you from the beginning, right when we first started, uh, we were getting about maybe 20, 25% success rate in ministering healing to the sick, which honestly was higher than most in the church, but it's still not good enough if you're that other 80% that aren't getting healed. And so when we got a hold of this material, the first thing we did, and again, again, I know I'm jumping ahead and we'll tell you how it happened, but when we first got it, all we did was change the way we prayed. That was it. Didn't really change what we believed, just changed what, the, how we prayed. And immediately our success rate went up over 50% just by changing the way we prayed. And then <clears throat> over a period of a little bit of time, wasn't too long actually, uh, at this time I wasn't, uh, wasn't being invited to any churches to minister, so I could only pray for the sick at the uh, grocery stores, Walmarts, places like that. Uh, we'd go to the hospital, and then people started getting healed, and they heard about us, so they'd come to our house. And honestly, for the not first nine months uh, that we ministered, I say publicly, it was in our home. And during that nine months, <clears throat> 100% of the people that came got healed, 100%. For nine months, we had a 100% success rate. Then I started traveling and wasn't anywhere very long, and we saw it drop down to about 85%. <clears throat> so we started analyzing, figured out what was going on, adjusted a little bit, got it back up to 94 to 97%. Uh, on the average, that's still where it's at. At the same time, there are entire meetings uh, where 100% of the people get healed. Uh, and matter of fact, it's not just my meetings now. People we have trained, we've trained uh, well over 100,000 people over the last 15 years, 16 years, uh, that we've been teaching it publicly. And during that time, <clears throat> now it is getting very common during the healing services for every person to be healed. Amen. Which is, that's God's desire. That's what he wants. It is not a, a fluke. It's not an anomaly. It is God's will. And so our goal is to make sure everybody that ministers healing gets ministers 100% success rate. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> because we don't want to be, we don't want to have that one person that doesn't get healed. So uh, if we are to represent Jesus, <clears throat> then we are to get the same results he did. And Jesus healed them all. And so that should be us. Has nothing to do, well, I can't really say that. Um, <clears throat> the reason everybody gets healed is because of what Jesus did. Uh, you can do certain things that help you become uh, easier for God to use. Right? But no matter how you minister, you're going to minister, uh, whether you get healed or whether you minister healing. You're going to do it by grace. It's that simple. You're going to do it. Uh, nobody deserves it. <clears throat> the only person that would deserve it would be Jesus. And it's because of what he did that we do what we do. Amen? So it's real simple. If you need healing, you get healed by grace. It's not your good works that get you there. Uh, you're not going to be making any vows or pledges or offerings or any of that kind of stuff to get healed. Uh, and if you want to minister healing, you're going to do that by grace. You're going to recognize that it is his life flowing through you. <clears throat> and it has <clears throat> very little to do uh, with you other than the fact that you make yourself available and that you have your mind renewed to the point where you are ministering accurately. So we'll see that over the next three days. So uh, let's move back over onto page 14. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we have uh, <clears throat> ministered, as I said, publicly for last 15, 16 years, actually a little longer than that. I've actually been ministering since I was 17. And next Friday, I will be 57. So that's 40 years as of next Friday. Now, um, <clears throat> through that time, I have heard so many excuses. And that's really what they are. People would say they're reasons, but they're mostly excuses of why somebody doesn't get healed, uh, why something doesn't happen. Okay, Our job is to eliminate all that. And so there are certain things that we're going to set in place in the beginning that we need to agree on, right? And so we will be looking at, 
uh, one of the things that I've noticed all through the times I've been studying healing, and I've very honestly, uh, if there was healing teaching going on anywhere, I've been there. I went there. I studied under them. I listened to them. I have an enormous library, and I have every healing book that I have ever found. And I've gone through them, and almost all of them do exactly the same thing. They tell you it's God's will. They tell you why God would heal you and why he wants to heal you and all this. And then somewhere toward the back of the book, it says reasons why you might not get healed. And they totally take away all faith that you had before. They had built up to that point and completely destroy it because no matter what they say, you'll find yourself in that category. And so that's one of the first things we did was go back and find this. And I found out that all of the reasons that people use as hindrances to receiving healing uh, none of them had any basis, not one, right? And I'll, I'll be very honest with you. When we started, I took all the reasons why people said people shouldn't get healed and purposely did them and then ministered healing to people and saw people get healed even though I was violating the very things they said had to be in place for a person to get healed, nice. right? Uh, I was a researcher, okay? I had somewhat of a scientific idea but toward it, and that's how we... Uh, organized it. And, and we really went through every one of these things. And that's why I have this statement at the bottom of page 14. The only hindrance to healing is the fact that you believe there are hindrances to healing. Right? The minute you believe there's a hindrance, you automatically become double-minded. Automatically. And if you become double-minded, you will not receive anything of God. That's what James says. Now, <clears throat> we have to realize, just because you're double-minded doesn't mean God doesn't give it. It says if you're double-minded, you won't receive it. didn't say God won't give it. God can still give it, and you won't receive it because you're double-minded. To receive from God, you have to set the time, the place, everything for it. You have to set it, and, and we'll go into more detail as we go along. But I want you to realize that what my job here this week is really to remove all of these so-called hindrances, all of these ideas that people have built up. And so we will be looking at every one of them. So if you have a pet doctrine at some point, I'll probably stomp all over it, right? Just letting you know ahead of time. So number or page 15 <clears throat> over, and this is one of the latter additions to the divine healing technician training uh, that we do. And what I did was I took all of the teaching and condensed it into nine points. So if you want a summary, this is it, right? So it's real simple. Uh, number one, divine healing is the right and responsibility of every Christian, right? If you're a Christian, you have a right to minister healing. You have a right to be healed. And you have a responsibility to minister healing and a responsibility to be healed, right? You're a walking billboard, and you should be a walking billboard for God, not a walking billboard for the devil and his works, right? We ought to have divine health. We ought to get, we ought to get healed and live in divine health, right? It's not God's best that we get sick, get healed, get sick, and get healed and go back and forth, right? We're, we, all that does is show we're the battleground. We don't need to be the battleground. We need to be a billboard for the power of God. Amen? So number two, any hindrance to the healing of a Christian, of any Christian, is not of God. Not even say any person, technically. Right? And as we said, the only hindrance is that you believe there are hindrances. So I put that, that in there on purpose because anything that seems to try to stop you is not from God. God is not stopping you or trying to stop you from ministering healing or getting healed, right? So if there is anything that tries to keep you from getting healed, that is not from God. It is of the devil. Easiest thing to do is remember uh, Luke 10, 19 uh, and, and Matthew 16, 18, uh, where he said that uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, right? So if something tries to stop you, it's a gate. The enemy's trying to erect. Just kick it in. And just go right on through. So nothing should stand against you. You got that? Real simple. If you're doing the Bible, nothing should stand against you. Now, I'm not saying it won't come up against you. I said it shouldn't stand. Amen? It, it doesn't say no weapon against you will prosper. Or it, it, well, it doesn't say no weapon formed against you will, will, be formed against, will not be formed against you. Does that make sense? It just says it won't prosper. Right? So the whole idea is that even though there are weapons formed against you, they won't prosper. Right? So if something may be formed against you, there may be a gate of hell formed up against you, it cannot stand. Right? So, number three, God is not our problem, He is our help. 
That means whenever you run into something that seems to try to stop a healing or try to hold a healing back, uh, automatically you recognize you don't go to God and say, okay, uh, God, why aren't you doing something? Why, why, why are you letting this person stay sick? Right? And that, that takes all kinds of forms. We'll talk about that as we go on. But you have to realize God is there behind you saying move forward. God is saying win. He's saying go through it. He's, he's saying beat it. Not like beat it like get out of here. Beat it like defeat it. Okay. And he, say, he is saying for you to move forward and show his victory. Okay. Number four. Any hindrance to healing is on the part of the enemy. You say, I thought there isn't a hindrance. No, but people think there are, and that sets up strongholds, and that is from the enemy, right? So any resistance, when you minister healing or when you're trying to receive healing for yourself, any resistance is on the part of the enemy, not from God. God is not holding anybody's healing back, saying, well, when you get this right, when you get this sin out of your life, I'll fix you. When you get this out of your life, then I'll heal you. God never says that. All right? It is not in his vocabulary, and we will prove it as we go through these next three days. Right? So once you know that, you know that the only thing is simply victory. Once you recognize that, then you refuse to take defeat, and you keep moving forward. And whatever pops up, you destroy. Isn't that simple? This is the simplest thing. I've been through all the other teachings where it's like going through an IRS form, you know? <laughs> You have to have two from line A and two from point B, and you have to go over here and line that up, and it has to reconcile. That is not God. God is extremely simple, right? If when he wanted light, he said, light, be. That's simple. Amen? When Jesus wanted to heal people, he said, guess what? Be healed. There you go. He didn't go into counseling. He didn't go into all these things, trying to find out all their sin. He, didn't, he never did that, right? And you say, well, shouldn't we get people out of sin if we can't? Yep, but that, not to get them healed. God will heal. Listen, if God never dealt with people that were sinners, he wouldn't have dealt with none of us. Amen? If if sin stops the power of God, nobody in here is saved. Because you were all full of sin before you got saved. Amen? Amen? So sin does not stop the power of God. Do you get that? Every time somebody says that sin stops the power of God, what they're saying is Satan is the real power and God isn't as strong as him. Okay? That's a lie. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Amen? Amen. So, now, number five. Any sickness or disease can be overcome by a Christian if the Christian will exercise faith and power. Very simple. All right? Any sickness, any disease, doesn't matter what. Number six. The enemy is not a serious hindrance and can be overcome by any Christian using the available tools and weapons provided by God. Hear that? Number seven, the enemy can only truly, can only be truly defeated by spiritual weapons and not by carnal, natural weapons devised by man, right? Man has found ways to, not to heal anything. Doctors will tell you they cannot heal. What they do is they put the body in a state where it will heal itself. God made us to be healed, he, and, and if everything is in the right uh, atmosphere, you might say, then your body will heal itself, which shows that God's will is always healing. You get that? If God didn't want us to always be well, he wouldn't have made our bodies to repair itself. You got that? So it's real simple. So, <clears throat> the, but if we're going to, what man has done is he has actually developed weapons against sickness and disease that doesn't eradicate them, but actually it can kill certain things, but it will not eradicate it. It always has the potential for popping back up again, and the only surefire uh, method of of dealing with something uh, that is from the enemy is through spiritual means, right? Now, and we'll, again, each of these will go into, each one of these, we could take each one of these and spend an entire session on each one. Uh, Matter of fact, a whole lot more. Number eight, Christians and non-Christians without faith for healing can be healed when Christians exercise kingdom authority. Right now, I know that's a big one, but we have amply proven it over and over. Every time a dead person is raised, it proves that the person that's being ministered to does not have to have faith. Because if they're dead, they ain't have, they ain't, they ain't, there's no faith there. Right? You understand what I'm saying? They're not standing in faith waiting for you to raise them. Right? And, and they're not lying in faith waiting for you. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. Now, so, 
Uh, <clears throat> number nine, all sickness and disease is a work of the enemy and is to be defeated whenever and wherever they are encountered. Now, once you take on that mindset, then everything starts to change. The other thing is on that one, uh, about the, the, the very last one there, that it's a work of the enemy to be defeated whenever and wherever. One of the main points that helped us move ahead in things when we started learning this is very simply this. It doesn't matter if it's a headache or HIV. Right? You treat it all the same. There's, listen, there's only one remedy. You got that? Only one remedy. The blood of Jesus. Right? Not ten different remedies. God doesn't send different kinds of power. He doesn't have a healing power, a saving power, a delivering power. God's not up in heaven adjusting valves you know, to, to release the kind of power you need for that situation. What God has is life. And if you have Jesus, you have life. And life drives out death and death in any form. And death in baby form is called sickness. Right? So it doesn't matter what the person has. You don't apply a different remedy. The remedy is always the same. I'll actually give you examples of that as we go along. Now, uh, page 16, you should have already read that. That's our basic principles. I'm not going to go through all of those right now. You can see them there. Uh, you can see how we do things there. Uh, and it talks about, well, almost all of those were based on the fact that I saw people doing that. And even before I was in ministry, I made a vow to God that if I was ever in a position where I was ministering, I would not do these things just because they are wrong. And so we cut those out. We made those part and parcel of the JGLM uh, DNA, you might say. And so please read those because they are very important, especially uh, just taking this kind of stand helps you. It keeps things clean and clear. Okay? So, but let's turn to section one. <clears throat> section one. Now, most of you uh, may have heard of John Lake. Maybe you know something about him. This is not a history class, so I'm not going to go into in-depth detail in his life. But there are some things that we can learn from his life in basics, I would say, that will help us learn how to minister healing. And, and it also, even in studying his life, we can see some things that automatically challenge the traditions of man that we have in the church today. And so we're going to look at a couple of them. First off, he was born on March 18th of 1870 in Ontario, Canada. He had 16 brothers and sisters. By the time he was 21, eight of them had died due to sickness and disease. Now, that's a point to remember. Uh, John Lake wasn't walking down the street one day, and God, you know, looked over the, as they would say, looked over the balcony of heaven and saw him and said, oh, there's John Lake. He's going to be a great healer, so I'm just going to dump some healing anointing on him. Uh, that isn't what happened. He had sickness and disease in his family. He said all of his childhood, what he remembered was hearses and graveyards and cemeteries and funerals. And so sickness and disease had a big impact on him, and he learned to hate it. And that's a key. If you're going to be effective in ministering healing, you have to learn to hate sickness and disease. Right? The Bible says to abhor evil. evil. And sickness and disease is evil. If you don't believe that, go down here to the Dallas Children's Medical Center and walk through there and look at what sickness and disease has done to these innocent children and you'll see how evil the enemy is. Right? <clears throat> so we are, we are to hate it. Uh, in 1886, at age 16, he was saved in a Salvation Army meeting and he moved to the United States. Actually, he just kind of came across the border there. He didn't go very far at that point. <clears throat> and then, by age 21 in 1891, he was ordained as a Methodist minister. Now, he never entered into the Methodist ministry, but he was ordained. Now, um, <clears throat> and it says actually he started two newspapers. I'm still trying to do some research on it. I've heard that, I've seen different things. I've never actually found proof of it, so I'm still doing some investigation on that. Uh, not that it matters either way, but it's just good to be accurate. In 1893, at age 23, he married Jenny Stevens. And she was actually from Newberry, Michigan, I believe. And Jenny Stevens had some congenital heart problems uh, uh, pretty much through her entire life. And at that same time, many of Dr. Lake's, uh, and actually wasn't a doctor, they called him Dr. Lake later on because he was getting so good results 
in ministering healing that his congregation started calling him the doctor. And so he was never officially a doctor. He had no degrees or anything like that. But you'll hear me refer to him many times as Dr. Lake, just out of habit. <clears throat> but whenever he started hearing about healing, as I said, uh, half of his brothers and sisters had died uh, before he was 21. And during that time, he started looking at things and there were five other members. So out of the eight that were left, five of them also developed various diseases. His sister developed a cancer that was very life-threatening. Uh, actually, he had two sisters that developed cancer. He had a brother uh, that had some serious heart problems. There was just almost his entire family had some very serious sickness and disease. So while he was uh, just outside of Chicago at one point, uh, he heard about this man named John Alexander Dowie, who had a tremendous healing ministry, probably the greatest healing ministry uh, in the late 1800s, in the 1900s. Um, but because of how he died, uh, it has diminished his popularity, uh, which is a, a shame because he was, when it came to healing, his ministry was phenomenal. Okay? And so Dr. Lake heard about uh, Dowie, heard what was going on. Several of Dr. Lake's family went to Chicago and were instantly healed in Dowie's church services and in his healing homes that they had. And so they came back completely healed. And so John Lake said, we are going to move to Chicago. Uh, actually, they were going to move to Zion. That's another story later on. But uh, he said, we're going to move so that I can study divine healing, so that I can practice it and teach it. Right? That's another major point. He, it wasn't, he didn't just happen into it. He pursued it. He went after it. He studied it. He said, I'm going to learn it to the point where I can do it and teach it. So that automatically shows that he wasn't just crying out to God, God, anoint me, give me power, give me a, a gift. He was saying, I want to understand healing so that I can minister it. And that was the way Dr. Dowie, uh, they also called him doctor. Uh, that's the way they, they did him was that uh, his teaching on healing was very matter of fact. And you can even see, and I'm not going to go into a lot of it now, but you'll, if we looked at his life, you would see the progression and what he taught. And then whenever John Lake studied under him, John Lake found some things that actually made it even better. And he found some things where Dowie was wrong, and he corrected that, and he started getting good results. And then it was the same thing all the way through. So you'll see this pattern of people that God is... is I'm not going to say he's pouring out revelation, but I would say that, that the church is awakening to the truth that has been in the Word of God all along. Right? So we'll look at some of these things, and we're learning that what we used to think were facts aren't necessarily facts. And so as we do that, we start stripping this down, and we find out what is essential. Because there, there are all different kinds of, of ministry uh, there's all different kinds of gifts. Even with any of the gifts of the Spirit, you can get any person with any gift of the Spirit can get any other person healed, right? Even if you don't have a gift of healing. Yeah, that's one of the main questions that come up. Do I have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do I have to speak in other tongues? Or do I have to have a gift of healing to minister healing to people? The answer to all of those are no. You don't have to have a gift. We are commanded, actually, in Mark 16, uh, to minister healing, to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Uh, so we don't have to have that. It is by faith. And I don't care who you are, every time you lay hands on the sick, you will have to have faith that that person, his, their, their sickness or disease has already been paid for. Right? And once you get that down, it'll start working for you. And, and again, uh, you'll see this as we go along, so I know I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here. But uh, let's move forward quickly here. <clears throat> because of uh, Dowie's success in healing, John Lake started studying. Uh, he actually became, he, he didn't move to Chicago right away. He actually stayed where he was at. And he became an elder and a deacon in Dowie's church, even though it was at a distance. So what Dowie did, Dowie was one of the first, well, besides John Wesley, that started home groups. And he saw that and he started these, he called them Friends of Zion, and it was just people that agreed with Dowie's teaching. And they started home groups. John Lake started one in his home. And as he started, people, they would actually start little churches and little fellowships. And he was a, they would call these people elders or deacons at that point. And then later on, even before they moved there in um, 
1893 all the way up, Jenny Lake started showing signs of congenital heart disease. And as they started doing the, the uh, trying to get her healed and ministering, she would get worse and worse and worse. Then they really started going into Dowie's teaching. And when they started getting a hold of it, they started praying for her. And there was one point, and there's two instances in her life uh, that were very telling. Number one, uh, she had a very serious heart problem. Like I said, she almost died. Uh, Dowie prayed for her one time then, and she got healed and was up and about. Um, and, and I'll give more details on that as we go along. But I wanted to emphasize there was another time, just to give you an idea of how adamant these people were. Okay, uh, In Dowie's church, if you took medicine, you weren't a member of his church. It was not allowed. Uh, later on, he actually established a, a city about 40 miles north of Chicago called Zion, Illinois. Still there today. He founded it, moved up there, bought 4,000 acres. All of his people moved up there. They built up his, they had one church there. It was his, right? They had no doctors, uh, no pharmacies. No, none of that was allowed. Uh, no uh, alcohol was allowed in the city. No pork was allowed to be eaten. I mean, it was very, very strict uh, concerning how they did things. And if you were there and a member of the church, you didn't go to doctors and you didn't take medicine. That was their stand, right? And whenever uh, Jenny was getting sick, they didn't go to doctors. Well, and this is to show you how strong they were on this. Uh, there was a point where Jenny was visiting a friend and their son, a four-year-old son named Otto, came out behind her at that person's home, had managed to find a gun, came in with the gun, and thought it was a toy, pointed, walked behind Jenny and pointed to her back and shot her in the back. Literally, her own son shot her in the back. The bullet lodged right next to the spine. She fell. They picked her up, took her to her home, called John Lake, who was uh, working there uh, in the city, still had a, a regular job going on there. He came in immediately. They shut the house down. I mean, they... They put a person on the front door. They said only Zion people could get in. And they put a woman at the front door that they said, you don't let anybody in here unless they're a Zion person. In other words, believe like we do. And they didn't send for the doctor. Now, we're talking about a gunshot. We're not talking about sickness or disease. And they basically started praying. And after a, within 24 hours after that, I would say roughly 18 hours, actually, uh, as they were praying, uh, the bullet actually came out of her back into her bed and her wound healed while they were praying, right? And people say, well, you know, how can we don't see stuff like that today? Well, part of that is the stand they took, right? When you have no other options, you tend to see greater results. I'm just going to be honest with you. People always wonder, why is there so many miracles in Africa? Well, I'll tell you why. I was there in 97, and I'll never forget what the local pastor there told me. I was amazed at how the people went out and started ministering healing to people. And I said, how, how do you get your people to do this? And I said, oh, back in the States, man, I got to Greek it and Hebrew it and, you know, scold them and threaten them and, you know, tell them if they don't go lay hands and sick, they're going to go to hell. You know? And, and I said, how do you just, we, we teach it to your people and we go for a break and we come back. The church is doubled in size because they go out and minister healing. The people come back with them. I said, how do you get your people to do that? I'll never forget it. He said, oh, brother, cut it. Over here, we don't have hospital every corner. Over here, we trust God or we die. And I'm like, wow, you don't need me over there. We need you back over here. So anyway, uh, they made that kind of stand and she was healed. There was another point where she was dying of the heart disease. And they actually sent a telegram to Dowie and said, because that was what they had at the time for, for communication. And Dowie prayed every morning at 9.30 a.m. And so they were basically watching the clock. And he sent a, a telegram back to her, uh, back to John Lake that said, I am praying she will live. And so he had that telegram. And so every morning at 9.30, Dowie would pray for all of the prayer requests that he got thousands from all over the world. So they were sitting there and they looked up and they said uh, at 9.30, the, the clock at 9.30, and Jenny Lake looked up and said, well, it's 9.30. Dowie must have prayed, I must be healed. And she got out of bed and was healed. And so she never felt the healing take place. But when she got up, she recognized that she could do everything that she needed to do. And so, and from that time on, she did not have that problem. And so that was the way they operated. Then later, of course, uh, whenever Dowie moved 
Uh, actually, John Lake moved to Chicago first, and when Daddy moved up to Zion, John Lake and his family moved up there also. He uh, worked up there with them. Uh, then later on, of course, after Dowie passed away in 1907, in uh, 1906, in early 1907, the Pentecostal message, up to, you have to remember at this point, there was no Pentecostal message. No, nobody understood the baptism of the Spirit. Dowie didn't believe in speaking other tongues. When it came out, uh, he did not uh, go along with it. Matter of fact, he condemned it, uh, said all kinds of things about it, mainly because he didn't think it. Right? He didn't come up with it is what I mean. If he'd have come up with it, he'd have probably got behind it. But since he didn't come up with it, it wouldn't have got. So that was his position on almost everything, right? So he, um, as he, he actually passed away in March of 1907. And about that time, uh, Charles Parham went into the city, preached the Pentecostal baptism. F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth, uh, who was also a member of Dowie's uh, church and band there in the city of Zion, uh, he and his brother, uh, received the baptism of the Spirit early on and in early 1907. And in October of 1907, John Lake received the baptism of the Spirit. Uh, and then six months later, now you got to get this, he's been practicing healing for about 10 years, a little over, and then receives the baptism of the Spirit in October of 1907. By May of 1908, within six months, he's a missionary in South Africa automatically going down. And when he got there, he said, on the way there, he said, this is brand new territory. He said, Pentecostalism hasn't hit there yet. Dowie's church was there. And that's where he was going to go to try to connect with them, even though they didn't agree with the Pentecostal message. He went in and told them, we believe in divine healing. And he said, but there's an added power and you need that added power. And so he got the whole church baptized in the Holy Spirit and pretty soon, Dowie's church turned into an, a Pentecostal church, and they started what they called the Apostolic Faith Mission of South Africa. And that mission grew. John Lake was there a total of about five years, from 1908 up until 1913. He actually left February 1st, 1913, so he wasn't there very long uh, in that. <clears throat> but after being there six months, they got there in May of 1908. Uh, by uh, December 22nd of 1908, Jenny Lake died. Now, there was a lot of controversy over how she died. John Lake was off on a mission trip into the Sahara. And as they were <clears throat> off on that mission trip, uh, a lot of the, the people there that had been members of Dowie's church was very much against the Pentecostal message. Back then, the only water they had was they would put buckets on their houses and collect rainwater. And so <clears throat> we have evidence that members of Dowie's church actually went out and in the middle of the night would put poison in the buckets of water. And over a period of time, Jenny started getting worse and worse and worse and eventually passed away 12 hours before John Lake returned uh, from his mission trip. And as soon as she died, these, this group of people, part of Dowie's church, insisted on her being buried. So John Lake wasn't even there at her funeral. And the reason they wanted her buried was because by that time they had seen the power of God to the point that they were afraid that if he got back before she was buried, he would raise her from the dead and the message would spread further and greater than it had been. And so they buried her. Most men at that point, he had uh, seven children by then. Most men would have packed up his seven children and came home. Instead, he called his sister and brother and said, you need to come down and help us. I need somebody to help me take care of the kids. And he stayed there another four years almost, right at four years, <clears throat> and helped birth the revival that changed Africa. And by the time he left, I could give him many, many testimonies. We've been there. We actually have a book called Writings from Africa that I compiled a lot of the material uh, written by Lake and about him while he was there. And there are so many different testimonies. It is phenomenal. Uh, one of the testimonies was that a man had a horse-drawn cart and the horse uh, was hit by a car and was lying in the street bleeding to death. And some men that saw Lake walking by said, Lake, you believe in divine healing? Well, here's your candidate. Come heal this horse. And Lake looked at it and walked over and said, God, make fools out of these men. And he prayed for the horse and the horse, the wound healed and the horse got up and drugged the cart off. And so the next Sunday, those men were all in church. So, <clears throat> signs and wonders, right? Makes it work, okay? So, 
And then after that, he returned. Uh, most of you know, whenever he returned to the United States in 1914, he attended the uh, founding uh, assembly of the uh, Assemblies of God in Hot Springs in April of 1914. Then from there, he went up to Spokane, Washington, and was in Spokane from 19, end of 1914 until 1920, when he started what is known as Lake's Divine Healing Rooms. And during that time, they had over 100,000 confirmed healings. And, and over that five-year period, that's about 20,000 a year, which is still pretty good, uh, to be honest with you, especially back then, because they only had 16 trained divine healing technicians. Only 16 people were working in those healing rooms and they saw 20,000 healings a year. That's a little over 1,000 healings per person, right? That's about three a day, every day that they were seeing. And so uh, there's a lot more to that that we'll talk about later on. In 1920, May of 1920, he moved to Portland. People said, oh, well, you can do that in Spokane because that's a a spiritual portal and God's power is there. uh, So you can do it there. And he said, no, it's the word of God. That's how I do what I do. And then he moved to Portland and said, I'll prove it. I'll do the same thing in Portland. He moved to Portland in May of 1920, stayed there until 1925, and again, another 100,000 confirmed healings. His church in Portland was called a businessman's church. Uh, at one point, uh, it was predominantly comprised of business people. And tremendous healings took place, tremendous testimonies. Um, you know, by, the time, by this time, I should also remind you that... Uh, Blake was remarried in, in 1913, at the end of 1913, to his second wife, Florence. Florence was a stenographer, and she would sit on the front row and write down all of his sermons in shorthand. If it were not for her, we would not have his sermons today. And so she sat right there, wrote all the sermons down, then went home and typed them all up. Then, from uh, 1925 to 1927, he traveled down the coast of California, went across here to Texas, went to Houston, started a church there had a young man with him uh, that he was training for ministry that had been saved in his church in uh, Portland in 1924. Uh, And that young man's name was Gordon Lindsay, who started Christ for the Nations Institute right here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Gordon was with him in Houston. He left Gordon at that time was a young man, 17, 18 years old. He had to go back to Spokane. He left Gordon there and said, try to run the church. And it, it lasted about six months. And Gordon went back to Portland and where he ended up marrying Frida. And eventually, uh, long story short, they actually moved back down here. They moved to Shreveport, started the Voice of Healing, and then moved here to Texas, continued the Voice of Healing. And so always gave credit to Dr. Lake's teachings uh, for helping him understand healing and moving out into it. So um, in 1935, actually September 16th, 1935, Uh, Dr. Lake passed away. He was 65 years old, which is too young, according to the Bible. Uh, Lake had made the statement. He said, uh, my life that I've run, I have, my body is tired. I'm wore out. And and he said, I've lived a life uh, that most men, and I've kept up a pace that most men could not keep up. And then at one point uh, when he was, uh, it was on Labor Day weekend, and his wife Florence said, uh, you know, you're tired, stay home, I'll go preach this morning. So she went home, when she came back, he had suffered a stroke. And so for about two weeks, he was kind of in and out, uh, seemed to get better, the DHTs rallied around him, the people he trained, and they began ministering to him. He seemed to get better, they thought it was done, they left, and right after that, he passed away, which is another thing to learn. You don't quit till it's done, right? Not just when you, you get some results, when you start seeing it get better, that's not the time to quit. You keep going until it's done. Many times all you do is push the enemy back, and when you back off, he comes back in, and when he comes back in, usually he kills them quickly. So you, you fight until you win. Amen? Again, these are just some points. We'll pick these up as we go on. Uh, as he died in September, on September 16th, 1935, he is buried there in Spokane, and uh, <clears throat> we've been there. we got some pictures. We have some pictures also we'll be showing you, uh, hopefully throughout the, the DHT. And so we're going to go ahead and take a break now. Where is Anthony? (laughs) Wherever Anthony is? Okay, I don't know where Anthony is. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and take a break. So let's take a break, and we will start back in about 10. That's the pretty good start, isn't it? Can you see how far the church has moved away from some things? Now, he's not teaching everything what Dowie taught, such as this. uh, His point, and I think what you got was no one that I know on the earth has everything just right, do you? Well, there's a couple of us, but we don't want to make the rest of y'all feel bad. 
Now, I won't tell you who the other one is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now we didn't believe in the Pentecostal message. You heard that? I certainly didn't believe in speaking in tongues. But he had one of the most amazing heathen ministries in the world. So we think we've got to have everything just right and just perfect and, and all such as this and all such as that to do anything. So um, anyway, so it's a good start. Uh, next, the next session will also be really, really good. And, and you'll see how Curry comes into, uh, I think it's the next one, how he comes into the, the ministry of John G. Lake. Because uh, uh, Lake prophesied, who, uh, here's how you'll know one day. He said, you'll, you'll know 20, I think it's 25 years from the day of my death. You'll know who the person is. And uh, the family that was left uh, had met Curry, and he'll, I think he goes through that on the next tape. I think it's the second one. But anyway, hope that's good for you. Get some good notes. Um, now, these things will, um, will come out on SoundCloud on our website. So, um, you know, it's good to hear some things over and over again because you, you think you got it, but you miss things. I don't know about you, but I did it all during Bible school. I'm like, I'm writing this, but I can't write, and I don't, I don't know shorthand, but I can't write the next and next and next and next. So, what I learned was Michelle was an excellent note taker, and I was, a, I was a pretty good listener, and so I had very few notes at Raymond. She had all the notes, and I look at her notes if I needed to, but I, I was pretty good at retaining, and I was a lot younger too. But, uh, but I, I had almost a 4.0 average just from listening and a few notes. But anyway, uh, it does help to have a reference to go back since you have the manual. A little discrepancy. The, you know, the, they make, you, you have the, uh, the newest manual, but we don't, I, I don't know if that's his newest tape, DHT. So every now and then we might hit a page that he's different on because they make, you know, they revise the manual here and there. And sometimes it's on a different page number like that happened one time tonight. So we'll. Uh, I'll try to go through and make sure if there's any changes that you'll know about them ahead of time because uh, they have manuals, you know, that they've had for years. And then he'll do another DHT and he'll teach it differently and he'll say page 41 and actually it's page 57. And I don't want you looking all night for this. So I'll try to get all that information ready for you for next week. So hope that was a blessing to you. Amen.